Hi guys, welcome back to the offer hot seat for our beautiful book, Depression Lied to Me. I'm so proud and honored to have Tammy Allen with me. Tammy, welcome. Thank you. It's awesome to be here today. <laughs> Tammy, what made you come on board to this beautiful multi-author project? Gosh, that's funny. I think I have been telling parts of my story to different audiences now for nearly 20 years. And I always knew I, knew I had a book in me, but I didn't have the time to write it. So this for me was an amazing opportunity to, to practice the narrative part of my story that I think would have appeal to massive audiences as opposed to just the small parts that were relating to the audiences that was right in front of me. Um, and it was just, it was in the transition between two really huge roles. So I had a little bit of time where I could actually think if I wanted to turn my story into, you know, an exciting narrative, what might that look like? And I started to play around with it. And I love the process. I just really enjoy the process. I've never written like that before. And I noticed I'm I'm really enjoying reading the book myself and, and listening to the other authors. And like me previously, they, they, they're writing their story from their heart as how they've experienced it. Whereas I, I deliberately chose to, to tell my story in a very different way, almost as if you're reading an action novel. <laughs> Exactly. And that, that made actually your chapter quite outstanding there. And <laughs> But again, we've got 14 wonderful Amazing. storytellers, yeah. and all of them are choosing their voice. So there's yeah. no right or wrong. There oh, is it's still... just been beautiful to read and, is it and not? Exactly. hear those voices. You can, you can actually, you can hear the voice in the speaking as opposed to it just reading a story. I'm finding it absolutely riveting going through it and and um heartbreaking and but also just seeing the resilience that all of the women in the in the book are showing in in not only moving through and surviving but thriving because of their experiences not despite them I had a wonderful mentor um say to me many many years ago when I first started in this work hey Tammy make sure that you continue to be enabled by these experiences, not disabled by them. And I keep that as a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a mantra as I go through my life. It's enabling, not disabling. It's beautiful. Or you could say that the trauma of your past is not defining you, but it is has put you into a spot where you simply had to take action and had to grow. So it's not post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic uh, stress disorder, even worse, but actually post-traumatic growth or post-depression mm. growth. And it's that beautiful transformation that you can read in, in that book in virtually yeah. every single every single uh, chapter that there is written. Well, maybe it's about rewriting what, what it means for trauma to... Exactly. Um, for trauma to define you because if you consider trauma defining you in a way that's negative then obviously that's not a narrative we want but I consider my trauma has actually defined me as the human being that I am today in a good way I think that I'm a much I'm a way better employer I'm a great I'm a great human I'm a nice mum I'm a great daughter I'm a fantastic partner I'm good to the humans around me I'm a good boss I you know all of those things are because of what I've experienced. I don't think I would have ever been as cool a human, I think, if I hadn't gone through those trauma. 
Yeah. And immediately, I'm gonna say, and so humble. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Now we're gonna own this. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love that because we are so bad in celebrating our achievements. We are so bad in taking compliments. It yeah. is very, very healthy to actually spell it out how far you have come. So while actually, you know, I guess that was the point of my story that I'd had that, you know, I'd had those, you know, negative personified voices for so long in my head mm -hmm. that actually part of the reclaiming and 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 labeling them for what they are is not helpful mm -hmm. is being able to say out loud the things that you have achieved or you have surpassed and you've got through, mm -hmm. if not for you, then for others hearing it. Absolutely, because these voices are virtually there in every single person. And yeah. most of us, we are fighting them rather than maybe using them as messages uh, from our own body and from our soul that there is something missing or yeah. that there is no more action to be taken. Yeah. And for what some of us, those voices are, are real and you can hear them like you oh, would yeah. hear another person. And for others, they're the inner critic and and yet even since the book has come out I've had lots of conversation with people who have who have read the, my story in particular and said gosh I've never thought of giving a name to my voices or giving a name to my inner critic yeah. you know whatever their experience is but actually that takes their power away which is what I love Isn't that... particularly if you give it a name of something that you don't actually um like or <laughs> you haven't haven't got much respect for then but we're not giving more away here guys no you no no to actually learn more about Dumbledee and Dumble yeah. <laughs> Tweedledee and Tweedledum yeah, Tweedledee. that's right that's right and my friend Donald yeah, <laughs> and your friend Donald who thought he was being really helpful but <laughs> oh priceless what was one of the biggest lies that depression told you Oh, look, I think it's probably the same lie for anyone that's gone through depression, and that is that you're you're not worthy, you're not giving anything to the world, that it's best that, you know, it'd be better off for everyone if you weren't part of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's that's a very common lie that depression tells you. Mm -hmm. um, so true. And, you know, the, I think the the difficulty with that lie is, that it's so believable. I mean, I was literally speaking to someone last night who was talking about that, that you know, them going through these experiences right in this moment and me saying, well, you know, that's not true. And them saying, but it is true. You know, I, I did screw up. And so, well, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but is, is that helpful to think that way? Like, is it going to move you past this moment mm. into making amends for it or whatever it is that you need to do next? It's not. None of none of these things that, whether they're lies or not, they're unhelpful if we're going to move on with our lives. And I guess that's what it says. It says don't move on with your life, and that's, that's rubbish because we've all got something to contribute. Hell yeah. How would you describe depression to a child? Uh, there's actually something I... I do a lot in my work and I also describe thoughts of suicidality to parents dealing with their, with their children's distress and I describe it as a weight you know and and kids are really good at making up their own metaphors so some will some will describe it as feeling like they're in the bottom of a well and they can look up and they can see the light above them but they don't feel they can get there or, they, or the, the sides of the well are slippery as one kid 
put it. Um, but for me, it felt like a crushing weight, you know, whether it's a rock in your chest or a rock in your puku in your tummy that that makes you feel like it's difficult to move on physically as, as well as mentally. It feels heavy. It feels, it brings a certain lethargy and... And I think also one of the things that were never particularly helpful in my recovery because it was me placing the onus on someone else to get better instead of on myself was um, medication never helped me in that respect because it was me going, well, this has got to fix me. And so I wasn't doing much work on myself. And when I took those pills, I, I called them my whatever pills because they didn't just take away kind of the weight of depression. They took away colour, they took away taste, they took away sensation, they took away, they didn't, they didn't, they took away joy as well as the darkness. So that kind of became a bit of a flat line. And I was like, well, whatever, you know, live or die, stay, go, whatever. So my part of my recovery was to move. I had to get rid of the whatever pills in order for me to try and find meaning and purpose in my life and start, start feeling again. Because hmm. for me, numbness or not feeling was not going to be a very good fulfilling life um, even if it meant that I was going to have to feel the really lows harder as well as the highs yeah what would you advise a loved one of let's say a woman who is suffering from depression right now and mm. the husband or partner or spouse is feeling powerless and helpless what would you advise this person uh well firstly feeling powerless and helpless is normal <laughs> you know because if you love someone enough you want to be able to fix that and the moment that they're in is not actually fixable the only thing that's really important in that moment is constancy is staying sticking around really because they'll be doing everything to push you away because they feel unworthy of your love so they will be whether it's anger whether it's physically pushing you away whether it's you know dissolving and hiding under the duvet or mm. you know throwing stuff at you or wanting a divorce all of those things come because depression tells you to do those things right so for the for the partner I'd say this is a moment in time stick around mm. survive it ride the waves get the support you need in those moments for the person themselves going through that I would, I think how I've managed it with friends and Fano is, is really all you can do is plant the seed that, yes, this is, you can't imagine your life being any different from this. It's horrendous right now. And there's not, not a lot that feels like can be done in this moment, but this will pass. It's the only thing that I can absolutely guarantee in life that this moment won't be the same moment in a day in a week in a month in a year in 10 years time it just it, it can't stay static so survive the moment do what you can in the moment whether it's you know in my coping mechanisms were quite weird to people but they worked that was you know sitting in the bottom of the shower and letting the water run over you and just saying over and over again this is going to pass this too will pass this too will pass or hiding in the back of my wardrobe and you know surrounding myself with the, you know fresh clothes and sitting there in the dark huddled in the corner like and it seemed like great coping mechanisms but it was the surviving the moment stuff that I think people find difficult 
and and the seed that I often plant with people is well, what if what if it's not what if it's not like this next year what what is that possibility you've got a great imagination if you can imagine you know the amazing wonderful methods we have of not being on earth anymore you can also use that imagination to a good purpose to to think about what you know whether or not you believe it or not what if my future didn't look like this in five years what if it looked quite different and you don't have to promise yourself you're going to move steps in that direction, but your imagination is an incredibly powerful thing for better and for worse. And with that, you have already answered the last question that I normally ask my co-authors. What, what, what message would you send back to your younger self when you were yourself in the darkness? And I love it. And this will also pass. You're so right. You're so right. We yeah. can't see it when we're in the darkness, but there is light waiting and it might just be around the corner because when is it darkest? When just before the light comes up. Just before the dawn. Exactly. So mm. my wonderful co-author, Tammy Allen, thank you so much for this author hot seat. <laughs> my pleasure. Cool. And you guys out there, go get the book. I want to say have fun. Um, I mean, how can you have fun with depression for crying out loud? Well, <laughs> in reality, yes, you can, because you can grow and you can you can get reminded that there is a beautiful life out there that you don't want to take for granted, but you want to live it with passion and with joy and with intention. And that is what this book is all about, living your and life. And there's certainly some funny moments in it. Like, you know, it's not all... There's no dark and depression. There's certainly some laugh out loud moments. Yeah. Exactly. You guys out there, look after yourself. Bye. <laughs>